she never be pretending, nothing is real. She gon' tell you what she bought it, cause she know you can't afford it. Hi, welcome to the eSpot with Camille. I'm your host, Camille Cower, and today I am thrilled to announce that I have another Kaleidoscope project designer here that designed the beautiful inn in Massachusetts, the one and only Linux inn. And today I have Niall Johnson. He has done so much already in his career, and it's like 20 years he's been working in the industry. So so much to dive into. I don't want to waste a single minute because I want to be able to give you all the time that I possibly can. So tell me, Niall, first of all, thank you so much for being my guest. But secondly, how did you get started in interior design? Well, thanks for having me. And, um, you know, I get that question often and I never really know how to answer it. So I just, I, I, I will just um, say that I think it was just a part of me, I, you know, I'm from Baltimore, didn't really know what design was. Um, we didn't have, we had architects. We didn't have a whole lot of interior designers. I knew I was the kid that preferred to um, stay inside and move the furniture around. Uh, that was fun to me. Instead and, of pouring concrete. Yeah, being, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like, you know, they'd be like, what did you do this summer? I was like, oh, I moved the furniture around. And they'd be like, okay. So that, and then as I got older, you know, I thought, well, my original plan was to go and be a buyer. I thought I was going to be a buyer. And then I thought I wanted to teach and I kept changing majors. And finally, um, the explosion of, or the the premiere of HGTV and, and FLN, Fine Living Network, happened. And I was like, oh, that that's that's actually a career. You can actually do that. And so then I started investigating where can that like in the, the, the frame, the phrase interior design and found schools and then just went to a community college for a little while to sort of like get my feet wet to see. And then from there, I transferred into uh, the artist to Philly and um, the rest, as you could say, is kind of history, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's My a lot history. of steps in between. Yes. So I'm curious. Oh, a lot like, of steps yeah. in between. And a lot of mistakes and a lot mm -hmm. of stumbles. You know, I went to school straight out of high school. Um, I didn't take the original path of being a buyer that I thought I was going to take. And I went to Morgan State and um, University in, in Baltimore. And um, the bridge got me. If anybody knows about Morgan State and the bridge, it's... No, you know, tell. you gotta be oh the bridge. It's so it connects the campus across a, a busy street, uh, and the bridge sort of sits in front of like the the they used to call it the canteen. So I'm dating myself. So they don't call it the canteen anymore. I'm really dating myself. But it sits sort of in front of the canteen where lunch and all that happens. Oh, like cafeteria. Yeah, and you can get everything on the bridge. <laughs> like you can get incense on the bridge you can get groceries on the bridge you can get the newest mixtape on the bridge like your whole life you can get you can see your meet your friends the bridge is like a social place right but yeah. it's also where you walk it's like how you get from maybe your dorm to holmes hall or from holmes hall over to montebello complex to pay you know tuition or maybe there's even a class at the gym that you have to get to so you're you're using the bridge daily and the joke was don't let the bridge get you because you can get caught up. You know, you get caught up in the matrix. You can get caught up in the, on the bridge. And I would get caught up on the, on the bridge. And needless to say, classes just did not happen for me. So uh, my parents were not about that life. 
and they pulled me out. Okay. <laughs> um, or literally, I before I embarrassed myself any further, and I worked. And I'm a wholehearted believer that you have to do a lot of what you don't want to do to figure mm-hmm. out what you do want to do. Mm-hmm. And that was certainly the process for me. I worked um, in a number of different places, doing a number of different things that I didn't really love, but they've sort of helped me um, formulate sort of how I run my business. Um, and then I, that's when, you know, around, I was about 20, when the FLN network and HGTV started to become more prevalent. And that's when I looked into it. And my parents were like, yeah, that's nice, but you wasted a little bit of time. So we're not interested. And so I had to prove myself. So I had to go to community college, pay for myself at community college first, and then take the next step on my own and transfer to the Art Institute. And I got to the Art Institute around, it was like 23-ish, I believe, and um, and still proved because my mom was just like, "Mm, we'll see. And I did, you know, that first semester, I, you know, proved myself and did what I was supposed to do. And it, and it worked out. I went to Art Institute for undergrad and then I went on to Chatham University for grad school. And it was um, it was a great experience, but it was not a I don't want anybody to think that it was a direct experience like it was not. Yeah. I knew what I wanted to do in 11th grade and I went out and I did it. I've run into tons of people and more often than not. There are a lot of people like me versus I know maybe two or three people who are like, yep, I, I wanted to be a nurse in 11th grade. I went to school to be a nurse. I went all the way through. I've got my doctorate in nursing and I'm a nurse to this day. That's that's very rare. It's more. so. I would agree with that. My path, you know, so yep. don't get discouraged. <laughs> no, but I also wonder if there was ever a time that you felt like it was kind of a calling for you or. Did you realize you just had an eye for it or did you feel like everything was a matter of you just got trained and educated and, but you still had that passion for it as well. Cause you know, there's always that debate of whether or not with creative careers anyway, if it's something that can be taught or if it's just something you're naturally kind of born with that can be kind of contained or, you know, like, so I'm a child of an artist, full disclosure. And like, she went to college, she did the whole like, studied abroad, did everything the right way as far as becoming a real artist in that sense and not just someone who learned from TV or whatever, but has that natural gift that can still do it. You know, like there's still that kind of differentiation. And I think sometimes people might feel like they have that natural gift and wonder if college will help with that or if it's something that you want to do, but maybe you don't have that natural talent, but it's something you can, in fact, learn. And like, what do you think about that? You know, I think it's both. I think for a long time I had this idea in my head that, you know, either you got it or you don't. Mm-hmm. And if you do, then you went to, then you go to school for it and you and you hone it. And I have a friend. She I don't even think she realizes that she did this for me. But I have a friend, Tiffany, and um, Tiffany is an interior designer in Chicago. And she was on a panel um, for some event we were at and I was sitting in the back watching her and she talked about like her, I forget how she got on the subject, but she talked about not going, not going to college to get a degree. And for some reason in my mind, I don't know why, but this is just my, how your experiences sometimes shape your thoughts. 
Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, oh, everybody just chooses. And it wasn't a choice for her. It was, she said, I wish I could have gone to school, but art school was expensive. And it wasn't mm-hmm. something that was on my radar at the time. And if I really could have gone, I would have gone. And she's immensely talented. Yeah. So she sort of opened my eyes up to the fact that there are people out here who are crazy talented. And just for whatever reason, finances, just circumstances, whatever, or just a choice, don't go to college. And they still have what it takes creatively to get where they need to be in terms of a design career. So I always think now, and then the other thing to that too is, it really does depend if I'm going to be 100% honest with you. It depends on what your interior design, it depends on what your end goal is. I always knew I wanted to do residential design. If I knew oh, this is going to get me in trouble, but that's okay. If I knew what I can always I, edit it out. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, well, hey, hey, you know, I, this helps. I'm somebody. not trying to ruin anybody's it, careers no, here. No, 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 no. This Listen. is not a gotcha show. I promise. <laughs> but if I, but if I knew then what I know now, and I even had a professor tell me this when I was mm-hmm. thinking about graduate school, I would have went to. I probably would have went. Maybe I still would have went to undergrad for design. Maybe not. Maybe I would have focused on a community college for design. And then I would have piggybacked that, a piggyback business school onto it. Because that is what you need. See, in interior design school, especially for residential designers, you only use 20% of what you learn in school. So you pay that huge, huge tuition bill. And you walk away with only about 20% do you use? Mm -hmm. And the other 80% is trial and error. And you are learning as you go along the way. And unfortunately, it's typically with clients. Mm -hmm. And so you have a lot of mistakes and a lot of issues that you run into. And if there were either a revamping of the programs where people could learn, these are the business policies and how businesses run, or if there was something that combines sort of business school and design, I think that would help tremendously, especially for yeah. residential designers. Commercial designers have it a little bit better, I think, because you lo- you use a lot more of what you learn in school in the mm-hmm. commercial world. But residential entrepreneurs, we do everything, you know, when we have our own sort of shop. And so our brains were not wired that way to know. I mean, even just knowing hey, this is the team I need when I start. I need to have these people in place to help me. It's it's not something that's common knowledge. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I nowadays, when somebody reaches out and says, I'm thinking about entering this career, my response is always different. And it's always, you're, you're, it's, it's based on what your real needs are and what you want. There's no one right way to go about it. Okay. You know, and that's the lucky thing for, for design, there's no mandate in terms of where you have to start or what the minimum requirement is. I know right. there's a lot of designers who don't like that, but I think it's great because it really does allow for people to decide what works best for them. Mm-hmm. You know, college. There are their budgets for that yeah, matter. Not everybody can afford Mr. Niall right. Johnson. Yeah, yeah. But they might be able to afford his intern. No, I'm there you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Just, so, speaking on that same point, you said 20% is what you learned from school. And I would say that's the same for almost every profession I've worked in, because I was a spa director and an esthetician. And like we, 
they teach you how to pass the boards basically. And mm -hmm. the day that, like the basic things you need to know about skincare, but they don't teach you about like everything you said about booth rental, um, insurance issues, or just knowing how to run a business or having all those different insurance things or even scheduling and the different laws that the state has that mm -hmm. especially now with COVID, like all the different rules and regulations and so on, like they don't teach you all of that. Yep. And even I was a, I have my degree in sociology. And even with that, like I felt like the educate, it really taught me how to look at statistics and not, and know how to break that down. Like, no, you're falling for the wrong numbers. They're using tricks and stuff, but, and also like understanding groups, but it's still, like you said, once you're in the profession, that's when you really learn. Like it's, um, and I'm sure each client is different. So for you, yes. what was the 80% that you learned that you would suggest people, or maybe not 80%, because that's a little high number, but what would you say would be the 50% of the stuff you need to learn before getting, or maybe you have to do some 30% of it on the job, but so what's the 20% they need to learn for sure <laughs> while they're well, in school? <laughs> like so, what are the key things that you are still using that you learned in school? It, so in school, it really is about honing your, how to sort of, um, I sort of liken it to swimming hmm. to a degree, right? Now, don't hold me to this because I don't know a ton about swimming from a technical standpoint, right? But like, you know, I imagine I can get in a pool, right? Or used to have it in a while, but I could get in a pool and I could swim. I, could, I found that I could swim the length of a pool, you know, you know, down and back underwater in with no issue, right? Uh, on like, what is that? The freestyle or whatever they call it. Backstroke, Above, you know, yeah, yeah, whatever. I would have issues because it's your, you, I, to me, in my body, I felt like I was using more muscle. I was putting more out, right? Mm -hmm. So there are coaches and trainers to teach you how to hone. And nobody taught me how to like go underwater and do that. I just sort of taught myself. So there are people that could teach me better ways mm -hmm. to do that. And to swim above water, how to sort of hone my technique. And I think that's the 20% that you get in school, right? You come in with this amazing creative mind that can really go anywhere. And mm -hmm. what you get in school is sort of, it's like putting a saddle on a horse, right? That's what you get. You get that sort of, let's, we don't want you, we don't want to put you in a box, but we want to show you how to hone those skills so then you can really you know you can you can you can aim them where they're supposed to supposed to go right it's like with yeah. singers some singers sing and they you know they're like oh wow they can really sing but they don't have any control there's a difference between a singer that can sing and they blow out their vocal cords yep they and they blow, the right reason. because they're like yeah. i'm going to do this run and there's no control so they can't tell the note where to go i think that's mm -hmm. what design is like design school it's like we're going to show you how to control your creativity, mm. you know, how to make yep. it do what it is that you really wanted to do or how to think, how to figure out in, in, in other ways to sort of help your clients. That's what design school does. The 80% when you're out is business. And really, like you said, it is in every career. I think the thing that you have to know, though, is that what you need is what you need to do 
the best job you can do, right? Mm -hmm. And people will come along and try to manipulate that and say, well, I don't really want to wait three weeks or I want you to, why do you need a month to come back to me with a plan or why do you, and it didn't dawn on me until probably a few months ago where I was like, and I had this conversation with a client. I said, listen, there's only, I was like, how many pictures of me are there on my website? And they're like, I don't know, maybe one or two. And I'm like, yeah, no videos. So you didn't come to me for my sparkling personality, right? <laughs> you can't, you, you filled out that, <laughs> that questionnaire because you like the images on my site and the images on my site got that way because I was allowed to go through my process the way I need to go through my process for the final product to turn out the way that it that it did. So yeah. if that's the quality of work you desire, because that's the quality of work I desire to put out, this is the process that I need to follow in order to to give you that. And but that takes a long, that takes a while. Cause that's all about sort of being confident in your skill, but also being confident enough to know that if it doesn't work out, it wasn't meant for you. Right. If the client has to go somewhere else, they weren't your client. If they get upset, it's okay. It's not about you. See, creatives, you know this. I mean, it's, we're, we're super sensitive people because our creativity, our art is an extension of ourselves, right? Do you like the room? Therefore, do you like me? You know, we are very attached to what we do, you know, um, not to say that your lawyer or your accountant isn't attached or isn't invested, but I, there's a there's a whole other level of yeah. There's I like found. different quantum. Um, yeah, yeah, and that like, qualifies it for them exactly. Yeah, different, and so I think you 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 get through that eighty percent better if you know I got this. I got this. What I'm offering is amazing, and um, the people who want it will come, and the people who don't, it's okay. You know, speaking and then you just which, take it as it goes. You know? Yeah. Well, I yeah. was going to say, speaking of people coming and going, tell us about Linux in and the uh, Kaleidoscope project. So this, you were one of the designers that worked on the project. What room did you do? And tell a little bit about your involvement with Kaleidoscope. It was the Barbara. Uh, mm -hmm. It was the Barbara, named after Barbara Bush, I believe. Oh, um, I was thinking Barbara Streisand. No, that would have been nice. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been nice. I don't think. But, of, like, I don't think of Barbara Bush the, having a style was, pattern. Well, so that's it was okay. well. It, well, if you the before pictures would certainly give you, I would say, what I would think of Barbara Bush. I, I mean, okay. personally, I, I yeah. think the a lot of the rooms were named after iconic women because i know there was a dolly and i can't mm. think of some of the other ones but i know there was a barber and a dolly um and i got a phone call from amy um and she <clears throat> had been referred to me by rashida gray um from gray space who was amazing and she just asked me about doing the show house and you know i'm I'll shoot straight from the hip. You know, I'm always honest. And so she's going through the whole thing. And I've done a few show houses before. And I'm listening, thinking, okay, yep, yep, got it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what's my cost going to be? What am I going to have to spend mm -hmm. on the show house? Um, because I had already told myself that I wasn't doing any more show houses. Because I just um, philosophically had a issue with me putting out money for show houses. 
that mm-hmm. weren't mine. <laughs> it's not my house. It's and the stuff yeah. basically stays. So why am I paying for it? Well, she got to the end. She's like, and we're covering. And, you know, we've got a budget. And I was like, oh, I'm in. <laughs> and she. Wait, I just want to just a lot of people of color or BIPOC community people like we're the latest, hottest thing. Everybody wants to hire us, hire us, hire us. But a lot of times that budget part is not always so quick to, you know, we want you, but we don't really have a budget. Yeah. So just speak for a minute. I just want to take that in and just marinate in that moment of they started with the budget. They didn't make you go jump through all the hoops and loops and do all the extra stuff. They started with the numbers and let you know what your involvement it that you had a yeah that it was a that's that it was why a I love showhouse. the quadroscope project sorry no ahead. I mean they, no no I'm no. you you are I'm picking up what you're putting down like you're mm-hmm. honestly that is how I felt it was I've said this to Amy I've said this to Patty um, I've said this to Liz it was by far I've done a few show houses it was by far the best show house experience that I've ever had and I was mm-hmm. not engaged in terms of in-person as much as I would have wanted to be because it's in Massachusetts and I'm in Pennsylvania. Um, and this was during COVID and I have three little ones that were going to school from home. And so I'm sort of doing that and trying to be here for them. But well, the, a lot to navigate. A lot to navigate. But the support, I mean, mm. the, the monetary support was, first of all, that was mind blowing, right? That, okay, there's a budget. Mm-hmm. And there's donors, and you're going to pick from these things, and this is what it's going to be. But then mm-hmm. the project management support was incredible. Like Amy. Again, you guys had interns from all these different schools, like Parsons and so on as well. We did. They I offer scholarships for them as well, which is awesome. Yeah. My yeah. intern I didn't get to connect with, and I'm mm-hmm. not sure what happened there. But mm-hmm. Amy was she was like my whole design team just mm. i mean and i tried really to keep things as easy as possible when designing from you know a long distance i was like okay this is a show house what is it that i want to say i would like to sort of keep things it's a very quaint sort of cozy and a very transit since it's a bed and breakfast yeah it's a bed and breakfast and it's got yeah. a sort of quirky sort of vibe to it. So I like some of the, the 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 patina finish on the fireplace. I like that it's, you know, got some of these old touches and I sort of want to keep those, right? So yeah. that was sort of my mindset. I wanted to just, we'll do white walls. We'll just do some, we'll darken the, the moldings. We'll bring some definition in that way. You know, the floors are, you know, fine in terms of the style I was going for, right? Yeah, Barbara. Um, and Amy was just sensational in her in her help yeah. for, the, for the project. And I think everybody really went into this. It was a labor of love, is all mm-hmm. I can say, really, mm-hmm. uh, for, for me. And it seemed that way when I walked through the whole project and looked at what everyone else did. It was like everybody put their best foot forward they were sort of zeroing in on what their concept was and and hit the target and you guys have gotten a lot of support as well with all the different press and publicity and there's more to come and i think lennox n actually opens next week oh does it 
I think so. I wow. I, I stalk all of your pages, so I'm prepared. Okay. <laughs> and because you know, I'm not. I have a lot going on, so I'm like, I, I don't understand. want people to email me a lot because I'm no. like, I don't have time to read all of them. Uh, listen, I understand that whole, yeah. which is why I'm really bad at responding to emails. I'm never okay. in my email. I use a totally different service for clients called Basecamp. And I tell them, like, we uh, use Basecamp because it keeps your stuff separate. We communicate that way. And so people always get frustrated with me about my emails. I'm like, I'm sorry. I just, I can't. It's overwhelming. And there's, it's like, I ha I keep I keep unsubscribing to these different newsletters. And they coming back. And they're still coming. I, I love them. Like, I love you, Sax. But really, I yes. don't need an email every day, five day, five a day. But anyway, I, know, I digress. I know. I mean, my husband <laughs> doesn't need it either. He's like, uh, why are there packages coming again? <laughs> it's Sax's fault, not mine. I couldn't get away from the sale. Because their store is not friendly. I don't just put it out there. The store here locally is not very friendly. So I never go in there, but the right. emails are so inviting and nice. And they're always like 70% off. I know. How can I say no? Yeah, I can't resist. It was a good sale. It was a good deal. Much I, like I, your show house, having full carte blanche on everything you want and donations. And donations so how did you, so what, so there was a lot of things that you couldn't do with the home because it is a historic home. Yeah. Were there any challenges you had to work around that maybe somebody at home also might have some of those challenges, like smaller restrooms? Or um, I know like some of the different people had weird ceilings and interesting closet spaces because it is an older home. So how did yeah. you work around any of those? Or did you have any of those challenges? Even? I mean, I think in my space, ultimately, most people want that new construction finish, right? You know, really smooth walls, pristine floors, sort of no wear and tear, right? And it's easier to work with. It is. I've had projects where it's a new, brand new, new construction, a great shell, and it's you're just furnishing it and you're done. So for me, I looked at it from the standpoint of what are the things that, uh, number one, I was brought into the project a little later than some of the other designers. So you now you already are a little bit behind. You can't. And then I got sick for two weeks. You can't be behind and not be able to and try to do this fabulous, you know, three month plan. It's just not going to work. So I thought, what does the room call for? And what are the things that that are eyesores that you really could work around or mm -hmm. not even work around, but call attention to in a way that sort of blends it with the room. So I really just went for this, you know, sort of relaxed, I don't know if you want to call it a loft, but really when you think of a space that's, you know, been around for a while and it's got, you know, the original hardwoods and it's got great moldings. I thought, what would a person who maybe lives in Soho in one of the pre-war buildings or, or in a great loft, what would they want? What would they look for? Maybe they're not coming for something that's super um, chic and super refined and there's all, you know, everything is sort of tailored and maybe they're coming for something that's like casual but it feels chic. So I stuck to a really simple palette. I mean, it was like neutrals, 
grays, whites, blacks. And I just figured, let's space plan it so it's comfortable. And then let's make the bed super lush. And we'll embrace any of these other things. Like, you know, the tarnished finish on the fireplace, the fact that the firebox wasn't perfect, it's okay. There's some chip tiles, it's okay. Because it sort of is a part of the depth or the soul of what the room really is. And I feel like that sort of helped the room tell a story for me, you know, yeah, yeah. For, for, for my space. You know, no, it's interesting because yeah. um, talking with so many of the different designers, they all had such different, unique ways of um, coming towards like their project. Like what were their influences? What were their thoughts behind it? Whether they were bringing in their own culture or thinking of what kind like with you thinking of what kind of customer would stay in this room, like even thinking like that. So it's in, especially when you don't have. Uh, well, I mean, you had a client because the person that owns the end, I'm sure they were like, I want it nice. <laughs> but yeah, you don't right, have right. someone that's constantly like, actually, can you make sure that it matches my 1980s fridge or, you know, yep. whatever the yep. different yep. things they might have in the house that they love. So you kind of have the freedom of your own ideal of what you would think they would want. And so that's that had to be a lot of fun. Now, I'm curious for you because you have done so many different things and I know you were talking earlier about how HGTV kind of inspired you to become an interior designer. So what was it like to actually go to kind of have that full circle moment of working with HGTV? It was fun. Um, you know, I made some friends. Um, it was interesting because you got to learn about the agendas of the different machines that are at work, right? You know, HGTV's job first and foremost is to provide programming mm -hmm. it's hgtv tv right mm -hmm. and that tv is a huge part of of it and i know there's a lot of designers that are like i they don't really you know they're not really showing the reality and you know and i get that but what i, mean, I that's do the same with regular movies they don't show 15 years in real time because no we ain't got that kind of time to watch a movie exactly i mean it's movie magic but i think it also in, encourages clients to think that things can happen that quickly or that quickly. but it's it'll our be job to usable sort of, yeah and it's our job to explain that like i mm -hmm. what i found like i hgtv is a tool that has kept the conversation going right same thing as you know house or any of the other big sort of industry mm -hmm. conglomerates i have personal opinions about all of them but the the idea that they have kept the conversation going on a main stage i'm not complaining and they validate the industry at the same time and too. they the, the, i couldn't have said that better and they validate the industry they do mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. That helps. So then when you go meet with your client and you say, hey, look, here's what we're going to do. And they say, well, the Property Brothers did it and I saw them do Kevin Hart's place in like two weeks. And it's like, mm. and then I have that experience on HGTV. Where I can do say, you have Kevin Hart's budget? Well, that's the thing. <laughs> probably you know? has 300 people that can work for him. Exactly. You can only afford 12. You, you tell right exactly you say to them you know it's that thing where you say it's I can do it cheap fast or good and you can only pick two right if I do mm -hmm. it if I do it cheap and fast it's not going to be good but if I do it good and fast it's not going to be cheap you know mm -hmm. if I do it cheap and good it's not going to be fast 
So that sort of helps that conversation. It's like television is a different animal. The experience for me was great because I got to see HGTV wants to put on a television show that people watch. The builder just wants to get his stuff put up, mm -hmm. right? He wants to get his stuff. And me, the designer, I want it to look like something. And, but I also had to think as a, as a player, right? So what will people remember? Will they remember the room or will they remember if I lost? What, which one, which way do I want to go? Do I want to win or do I want to do I want a, a fantastic room? Yeah. I had to choose to go towards the winning round. So it, it, it was very interesting because it taught me about the politics of design, right? In order to win, I had to sacrifice a room that I probably would have, because I liked, I don't think I've ever said this, I liked my competitor's room better than I liked mine, my competitor's mm -hmm. spaces. Yeah. So and I told him. That for honesty. There yeah, you go. I loved yeah. his spaces. Mm -hmm. I liked them way better than I liked what I did. He chose to do what he would, he had been working longer than me at that point. And now that I've been working the same amount of time that he was working at that time, I get it. He chose to do what he wanted to do that he hadn't been able to do, which mm. I've done now in some show houses where it's like, I'm just going to do me. I'm just going to do what I have not been able to do. But with that being my first experience, I was like, I want to win. Mm -hmm. So which in the end didn't matter because I would go to new clients would call me and I'd be like, Oh, so you saw the show. So you, you saw me and they were like, what show? And I'd be like, Oh, and they're like, no, we just Googled designers in our area and you came up and I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> A little ego deflating. Yeah. I mean, really, because nobody, saw, I mean, I hate to say it, nobody saw the show. It was oh. on up against Monday night football and dancing with the stars. So what did Well, I mean, is that really oh yeah, the dance with the stars? I was like, is that really your demographic? The people that would be watching Monday Night Football, but then the dance no, with the stars. I, running, I believe yeah. dancing with the stars. I yeah, believe that. Yeah, because yeah, they were like, oh no. And what would happen is after people would hire me, they would, I guess, maybe either follow me on Instagram or then they would find it and they would make like little jokes. Oh, you hate ceiling fans, or oh, we heard that you don't like this, you don't like that. And that's when they would find the show. But typically yeah. it wasn't beforehand. It was oh, wait, so you hate ceiling fans? I'm learning something new here. I, what are some of your don'ts? I haven't asked anybody that yet. It's not a don't. Okay. But I hate them. You know, my <laughs> biggest don't is don't have somebody in your family that is a creative in any field. And ask or or in your friendship circle mm. and ask them for advice. And don't and not take it. And then my other don't is for the creative. Don't let anybody in your friendship circle or your family ask you for advice and you don't charge them. Because if you charge them, they'll take you seriously. If you don't charge them, they just become, you know, people who ask you questions and don't follow through on it because they think they just think it's a hobby. Um, that's my that's probably my biggest don't because I don't really have I could sit here and say, well, two on a rug. Always try to have at least all all two or all four legs on the rug, right? 
But then there's always a situation that comes up where that may not be the case. And it works like, you know, on a, a huge foyer where maybe the furniture is pushed against the wall and the rug doesn't touch any of the furniture. And that works really, really well. So I don't have any stand. Well, don't buy the, I don't think anybody does this anymore. Don't buy the bath mats. You know, like the toilet covers back in the day, people used to buy the toilet seat cover and the thing that went around. And they would stain the seats. Yeah, don't buy those. That's my biggest dumb. But I don't even think they're in production. Oh, wait, anymore. you remember the plastics? <laughs> like the plastic runner and the plastic. So, my grandmother, God rest her soul, she was, um, she worked for social services and I would stay with her during the summers and we would do these different home visits. Yeah. And it was always so interesting to see the different ways people lived. And it would, like, they would have these rooms in the den because this is all in um, North Carolina and the South, they would have these beautiful, like great rooms, all this beautiful stuff and everything was covered in plastic and you but, couldn't yeah. touch anything. And they had like a guest bathroom, couldn't touch. Well, since we were guests, I guess we could have, but I, I was, I wasn't touching anything, but <laughs> that was like the room we got to sit in and hang out with them. And then you would go see the rest of their house. And you're like, well, this looks lived in. Why do you have this beautiful room that you're not living in? Clearly, that you're just showing off for what? like yeah. I, I that was that would be my too. only don't don't have rooms that you can't you use. Don't live in. You know, I agree. I totally, yeah. especially nowadays. There's too many great mm -hmm. things out there that you could you can have really beautiful stuff yeah. covered in amazing fabric that's mm -hmm. quality, but it will last. And you, that way you can live in your space. I agree. Because my grandmother was the same. Her living room was covered in plastic. And we used to go out and stay in the summers. And we would, she would let us sit in there. But then we would, like, we would be sticking to the furniture. Especially summertime. Yeah. And we're like, oh, my God. She, and she still. Oh, I or would her leave that. the dents from the last person that was sitting there. Like, no, oh, I'm good. We joke with her still to this day. She covers everything. Everything in plastic. And we're just like. Who are you waiting for? The Pope? Like, I, don't want it. I don't want it to get messed up. And I'm like, well, use it. That's what it's there for. Yeah. Or um, I like people feeling limited by the room that that's the only thing it could be. Like um, when my kid was younger, our dining room was a playroom because we didn't need a dining room. We had a kitchenette and we had the other stuff. So I that was the, that. that was easier yep. and it didn't have carpet. So it was like perfect place for her to play with chalk and whatever and us not to worry about anything as opposed to her real quote-unquote playroom was carpeted and all i was like no you're not painting it in that room so yeah. i think that's another one like don't feel limited by what it's called for that to be the room or exactly. especially now like every room needs to have multi-functions in a it, way no it does <laughs> and it's, i ask i always ask one of the first questionnaires i send out once a client mm -hmm. is signed is i sort of ask about how you live because i'm not really interested in what your favorite colors are and what color combinations you like and don't like because that will come maybe and maybe it won't but i can handle that like we you know because i've had a client say i hate the i hate that sofa i hate that sofa and i'm like do you hate the sofa or do you hate the color and she's like oh my god nobody asked me that i think that's what it is i think it's just the color i could probably do it if it wasn't red and i'm like yep so we just you know we just redid the sofa in a different fabric and she loved it so i always ask questions like how do you want to feel when you come home? How do you want to live in your house? How do you want to entertain? What does home mean to you? Where do you travel on vacation for business? Um, where do you travel on vacation? Where do you travel on business? Um, and where you travel to these places, where do you stay? What activities? Because then, like you said, you know, I have clients right now that 
it's a formal living room, but they don't use it like that, but they love music. And I'm like, so then where is your music room up here? If you love music, there's going to be a place on every level that you're going to have music. So why, why aren't you putting the piano in here? Let's just make this a music room. It's, it's, you know, it can be multifunctional. We'll have seating. You can entertain guests in here, but we can also make it about music. So I agree with you. Like, the, using the rooms just for, you know, having 35 dining spaces in the home may not be necessary. It may not be necessary. Let's play rooms converted. I've done that a million times. It makes so much more sense. It really, really does. I feel vindicated because there yeah. were some friends that are like, why don't you have a dining room? Because <laughs> like, I don't need it. Because <laughs> first of all, whenever I do throw parties, people are always standing and conversing, you know, like, they're always like, well, when I used to, they were always walking around standing. They were never really sitting anyway. Or in the and, kitchen, if they could. They like. And then there's that. They're hanging around the yep. bar. Yeah. Yep. And they're all standing for the most part. And so it was like, why do that? And my parents always entertained a lot when I was a kid, too. And so I just knew from experience that you don't need a dining room unless you're planning to serve Thanksgiving dinners and stuff like or have family dinners on a regular basis, which is not my thing. Yep. So, you know. We'll meet at a restaurant instead for that. It's funny. My very, I was just uh, I was just traveling yeah. with one of my very best friends, and she said we were talking, and I did her. It's almost been ten years that I did her space, and she said, "Do you know that the and it was it's a living and dining room combined?" And she said, "Do you know that that space hasn't changed? Like not one thing, not one accent, not one thing has changed in the." And I said, "Are you kidding me?" She said, "Yeah, we never go in there. We never use it." Yeah, and I was like. You gotta use that space. <laughs> no kidding. Well, I want to make sure everyone knows where to follow you so they can work with you next, yeah. especially now that you work virtually as well. So, um, where can everyone get in contact with you, or where's the best way for them to reach out to you? So, to ask for that free advice. Just kidding. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> get your budget ready first. That's right. Um, yeah. I always say the only thing I give out free is my business card, but no. Um, the website is nilejohnson.com. That's super easy. And my Instagram is Niall Johnson, at Niall Johnson. So they're both super easy. And you can find me on either one of those um, places. Anything else is sort of automated. So okay. it will take me forever to answer. But Instagram, I'm on actively. Okay. And my website is, is, those are both great places. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much yeah, for being my guest. I cannot wait to meet you at Dallas Market. I'm looking forward and to, to it. And to see your beautiful home that you guys created up in Massachusetts one day. Thanks. Although I'll have to wait till next summer because I don't do cold weather. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> and I live in Pennsylvania, but I don't and I don't like the cold weather either. So I get it. Yeah, summer bunnies, come on down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it was so nice meeting you. And thanks again for being on the East Spot. Thanks. <laughs>